this is Dr. Amitabh Sur. I work as a senior consultant endocrinologist and diabetologist at PLS Hospital, Kolkata. And I have Dr. Shomik Chaudhary with me today. Hi, Amitabh. How are you doing? It's wonderful to be on the same platform with you. Thank Dr. you. Dr. Amitabh Sur is my dear colleague and a very dear friend. And I am Dr. Shomik Chaudhary, and I'm working as a consultant cardiologist also at PLS Hospital, Kolkata. And I'm hoping that today we get a nice discussion in about a couple of drugs which are wonderful as oral hypoglycemics, but for us cardiologists as well, they have become great, great drugs in our armory. True. Absolutely. So Amitavo, I think it's only right that you start the discussion because the drugs that we're talking about today, empagliflozin, linagliptin, now these, if I'm not mistaken, they initially came to the market as oral hypoglycemics, in other words, blood sugar control drugs. So what's so great about these drugs in the context of being oral hypoglycemics, individually and in combination? Yeah, so empagliflozin is basically a, a SGLT2 inhibitor. It acts by increasing the glucose excretion from the kidney by blocking the SGLT2 receptors, and therefore it produces glycemic efficacy to a tune of around 1% HPA1C reduction. It is seen independent of insulin secretory capacity of patients. So it can be added at any point during natural history of type 2 diabetes. Linagliptin is a DPP-4 inhibitor, which also produces an HPA1C benefit of around 1%. And this combination of EMPA and Lina is a very wise combination. It is a synergistic combination. Together, this EMPA-Lina combination provides a glycemic efficacy of at least 1.5%. And if the baseline HP1C is higher, they can provide you an HP1C benefit of even 2%. It is synergistic because not just the number or the efficacy adds up, but also mechanistically, the glucagon secretion, which slightly increases with empagliflozin, is counterbalanced by linagliptin, which leads to reduction in the glucagon secretion. And few minor side effects like genital mycotic infection, which is seen with empagliflozin, gets counterbalanced and their incidences reduce severely when we use a combination of empagliflozin and linagliptin. So therefore, together, this becomes a great, great diabetes medication. But rather, my interest is to know your perspective on this combination or empagliflozin in particular from cardiac perspectives uh, in patients who are having coronary artery disease, or in patients who are having heart failure with preserved or reduced ejection fraction. So over to you, Dada. Thank you, Amitabha. Thank you. And I think you've set the tone brilliantly by discussing what these drugs actually bring to the table. You see, they originally, as you so rightly pointed out, were oral hypoglycemics. They basically were for diabetes control. They were anti-diabetic drugs. But you see, what happened is, and I will just take you back in history for about 14 years back, when there was a drug, I think a lot of you have heard the name of a drug called rosiglitazone. It's actually the cousin of a drug that's still commonly used called pioglitazone. Now, what happened was they gave, rosiglitazone came out in the American market. Everybody was very happy. We have a new drug. However, they found that these patients who were getting rosiglitazone actually were getting more and more higher chance of having heart attacks, heart failure. So they decided to do some studies and they found out that actually patients in rosiglitazone were doing worse cardiologically. So from that time onwards, it became mandatory for every new anti-diabetic drug that's in the market to have something called a CVOT. Now, what's a CVOT? It's called a cardiovascular outcome trial. 
Let me put it in very layman terms for you. In other words, they looked at this drug, which is coming in as a blood sugar control drug, as an oral hypoglycemic drug, whether it's cardiovascularly neutral, whether it's cardiovascularly worse, or whether it's cardiovascularly beneficial. Now, not many expected the third one. People were happy as long as it was neutral. But when these drugs like empaglifosin, they started doing cardiovascular outcome trials on this. And one of the main trials that was done on this was a trial called Emperor Reduce Trial. And that I will talk about it later. And of course, the Empareg outcome, they found something amazing. They found that apart from being wonderful oral hypoglycemic agents, these drugs were causing tremendous benefit in cardiovascular disease outcomes in patients with diabetes. So initially they looked at only the diabetic patients and found that the patients who were getting these drugs, empaglifosin, it's called an SGLT2 inhibitor it is, they found that these patients were doing wonderfully well. They were doing much better statistically than patients who were not getting these drugs as part of their disease modifying agents. Now, why this link with cardiovascular disease become important because it's very, very clear over time that diabetes has a very strong association with cardiovascular disease. Diabetics on an average live six years, lesser than non-diabetics, and most commonly cardiovascular outcomes, adverse outcomes are really the cause for death in diabetic patients. So in view of this considerable impact that diabetes has as a major independent risk factor, when you finally started getting drugs, which were not only controlling the diabetes, but also helping the cardiovascular outcomes, it was almost like we had hit the gold mine. So that's where SGLT2 inhibitors have really become so important for us. And to come to the second part of what you asked me about the heart failure part, the results they found and initially said, okay, diabetics doing great with this drug. But what about non-diabetics? Could we extrapolate this data? Could we do a trial and see if non-diabetics were also doing well with this drug? And bingo, they were. Non-diabetics did as well or even better with empaglifosin when it was given for heart failure management. So if it's a heart failure management that you're looking at, even in non-diabetics, empaglifosin has a wonderful, wonderful outcome. So this is where empaglifosin has become an absolutely essential part of our therapy in both heart failure, it reduced ejection fraction, and a very unique group called the heart failure with preserve ejection fraction. But before I go further into that, I would really want to ask Amitabh one thing. We are talking about empaglifosin so much. It's a wonderful drug. It comes out of the group called SGLT2 inhibitors. But why are we forgetting its dear friend, a group called the DPP4 inhibitors? Would you like to tell us more about linagliptin and what it could mean to both an endocrinologist like you and a cardiologist like me? Correct, Dada. So you have ni nicely placed uh, empaglifosin, how it is beneficial for our cardiac patients. Linagliptin also has some beauties around it. Linagliptin is a DPP-4 inhibitor. We have discussed a glycemic efficacy. So far as cardiac perspective, linagliptin has got, it's the only DPP-4 inhibitor, which has got not one, but two CVOT trials, one with a sulfonylurea called glimipiride and another with a placebo called Carolina and Carmelina trial, respectively. So therefore, evidence-wise, it is some. So it is a molecule which has got highest degree and highest richness in experience to prove its neutrality in diverse cardiac situations. 
in various subgroup analyses also it was it has been proven beyond doubt that linagliptin is neutral so far as cv events are concerned or enhancement of heart failure or hospitalization in concern in diverse spectrum of patient whether the patient is having a background of mi or not whether the patient is having background of heart failure or not or anything and everything so rebolinagliptin is completely neutral and while writing this molecule we are completely assured of that we are not causing any harm to patient from cardiac perspective rather we are probably benefiting the patient only from glycemic efficacy perspective and also not only that in the carmelina trial it has been shown that linagliptin not just remains neutral to cardiac perspective but also it has shown some positive benefit so far as urinary albumin creatinine reduction is concerned so might be that it may be somewhat beneficial in dkd patients also so that this is this wonderful about- and and may i just bring in one more point about carmelina if i may omitako and i think yeah. this is also something that we could really talk about you see when sglt2 inhibitors that means we are talking about glyphosins they came in they found that actually empagliflozin had wonderful results but even its other brothers and sisters like dapagliflozin and canagliflozin also did well so they agreed that it was probably a class effect sglt2 inhibitors all i mean they were obviously first among equals but the class as a whole was good for heart failure and atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease but when they looked at saxagliptin which was one of the first dpp4s to have a trial the name of the trial was sevatimi 53 they were actually very scared what they found was patients who were getting saxagliptin were doing much worse their heart failures were worsening the heart failure hospitalizations were increasing and they were also having higher mortality so everybody was not apprehensive is this a class effect but here the carmelina and the carolina trials really became very important and that is why we are celebrating non inferiority in them the reason being that we found that dpp4 inhibitors as a class were not harmful it's only one particular drug which showed a significant harm towards heart failure hospitalization but the other drugs were actually neutral they even numerically were better in heart failure not statistically but numerically they were better that's why the non inferiority of the trials like carmelina were actually very very significant by themselves because they gave us the confidence to use these drugs and i think that's something that we must address uh amitabo i wanted to ask you something one yes, of the sir. main concerns that a lot of our patients and i'm sure they come to you as well with the same concern because you see a lot of our patients these is are very educated they read a lot they want to know about their diseases and diabetics who had diabetes for a long time they're very worried about kidney outcomes they're very worried about renal failure so are these drugs like sglt2 inhibitors and dpp4 inhibitors are they backed up by evidence are they helpful in preventing or at least decreasing this kidney failure yeah true dada uh, actually sglt2 inhibitors right from the beginning right from when uh, they only had cbot trial from there only they started showing um, you can say a trend that they might be beneficial so far as ckd progression is concerned like for example the impareg outcome trial showed uh, that the ckd progression was coming down with empagliflozin compared to placebo but that was uh, which uh, that was then uh, a kind of uh, secondary analysis which was not a primary analysis but then 
Now we do have dedicated renal outcome trials with SGLT2 inhibitors, all three of them, like credence for canaglyphosine. We have declared, uh, we have DAPA-CKD for uh, DAPA-glyphosine and now EMPA kidney trial has also been published. And it clearly shows that CKD progression is reduced with all three of SGLT2 inhibitors like canaglyphosine, dapaglyphosine, and empaglyphosine. However, uh, it may, you can say that partially it may appear to be a class effect, but then the robustness of evidence is greatest in favor of empaglyphosine. And also... I absolutely uh, agree with you. As I said, the first among equals. Empaglyphosine yeah. definitely has the most robust evidence. Correct. And also it, mm. it has shown more inclusivity, empaglyphosine, by incorporating patients of diverse or, or different diagnosis of CKD into the EMPA kidney trial. Like the EMPA kidney trial also had a lot of patients, at least 30 to 40% of patients were there who were having normal albuminuria, who were not having enhanced urinary albumin creatinine ratio. Still, they also showed benefit so far as CKD progression was concerned. So this cleared our doubt which we were having before the EMPA kidney trial came out, that whether in patients who are having CKD and who are not proteinuric, whether they will be beneficial, benefited from the HGT2 inhibitors or not. So EMPA kidney has shown that at least EMPA glyphosine is clearly beneficial in patients who, who may be having A3, A2, or even A1 grade albuminuria along with DKD, so or CKD for that matter. And therefore, uh, uh, we you will also appreciate this, that nowadays what we have seen, that at least 30% of our diabetic kidney disease patients are actually having normal albuminuria. They are not having a 3 grade albuminuria. So therefore, empaglyphosine has got most holistic evidence. And therefore, while using in DKD, empaglyphosine therefore stands out. And therefore, as you said, first among, first among equals. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with you. And I think I'll just add a bit about linagliptin in this as well. I believe the Carolina and the Carmelina trial also showed a quite a significant reduction in the microalbuminuria, the MSER, as well as a regression. So I think that's where EMPA and Lina both have a very synergistic effect. They both prevent the microalbuminuria. They both retard the progression of chronic kidney disease. And in this context, they are definitely superior, they are synergistic, and they help in improving the overall morb morbidity and mortality of the patient. And coming to one last point, I think, from my side, which I would really want to talk about, that's the concept of weight loss and maybe some amount of slight BP reduction. SGLT2 inhibitors are not BP-reducing drugs. SGLT2 inhibitors are not weight loss drugs. But they do have these effects. And these effects might not be the most celebrated effects that they have. But I think in a patient who's slightly overweight, who's diabetic, who's hypertensive, who has a family history of coronary artery disease, even modest amounts of weight loss and some minimal amounts of BP control over and above the antihypertensives can actually statistically become a large benefit for these patients in terms of their morbidity and mortality. So I think these benefits that SGLT2s like empaglyphosine, as well as the DP4 inhibitors like linagliptin have, is something that we should celebrate. Do you agree, Amitabh, with me? So yes, I completely agree with you. 
even 2 3 4 mm reduction of systolic blood pressure 2 mm reduction of diastolic blood pressure ultimately improves patient cardiovascular and cerebrovascular outcome and it also leads to weight reduction uric acid reduction etc which uh, reduces the reactive oxygen species burden overall and therefore it is beneficial absolutely absolutely agree with you so uh, summing up from my side there's a line that i heard when i was when i started doing my dm cardiology and i really really love hearing that line and i think it makes a lot of sense diabetes is actually a polyvascular disease hyperglycemia is just a part of it so rather than i think just isolating ourselves to just the blood sugar control we have to look beyond our drugs for diabetes have to look beyond they have to ameliorate the cardiovascular outcomes they have to mitigate the renal risks they have to improve the general outcome out being of the patient and most importantly they need to have a positive cardiovascular outcome so in these parameters without a doubt every one of them is ticked very well by empagliflozin as well as a lot of times by linagliptin the pharmacokinetics of both of them allow us to combine them into a single drug so in your diabetic patients with atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease whether it is clinical or subclinical especially when there is heart failure present whether it is heart failure with reduced ejection fraction or even in heart failure with preserved ejection fraction where the emperor preserve trial showed that empagliflozin was the first drug ever to show a mortality benefit you must think of combinations like empagliflozin and linagliptin they are safe they are effective they improve morbidity and they also improve mortality so in other words they don't just add life to your years but they also add years to your life any concluding remarks from you amitabh yeah completely agree you have nicely summarized it nothing more to add so therefore we should uh, try using this combination in wherever it is possible and wherever it can be placed actually correct we should try giving benefit of this combination to our patients absolutely i think that pretty much sums it up from us and i hope the people who are listening it made a little bit of difference to you understanding what these drugs mean to you thank you Thank you.